Hi, and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been through my own ups and downs with sobriety. And if you're listening to this, then you have taken the first step to making a change in your life and finding a community to help you through it. Now, let's start this journey together. Good morning and happy Wednesday, fam. I hope that you had a relaxing weekend. I'm going to be honest, I have been slacking on prep. We have been really busy at work and I have to give my 100% focus to that. I work in elections and right now we are certifying votes for the Commonwealth of Virginia and it's a lot of work. Also, my allergies are absolutely killing me. While everyone else is prepping for the holidays and getting excited about turkey and football, we have been hard at work processing votes and abstracts, which means nothing to you if you're not in elections, but it's actually a lot of work. I love my job and early on Tuesday, November 2nd, we started our day. That is something that I never used to be able to do in my using days. Early mornings, parenting, holding a job was not something I could do. Now, even though I'm not a morning person, I am certainly able to get up, function, and do things I never used to be able to do. I am also able to enjoy myself, and I was thinking about that the other day. I'm getting ready to go to Disney World with my family in a few weeks, and that is one place to me, other than a baseball field, That is so sacred and important to me. It's one of the few places that hasn't been wrecked by my alcoholism or behavior related to alcoholism. With Disney, when I go there, I have a whole new slate of memories that can be made. It's the one place I don't think back to myself, wow, a bunch of people saw that. The places I used to frequent, I drive by or see and cringe. Or I think about all the things that happened while I was there and the people's lives that I impacted. It makes me ill at times, but it's also nice to know that I'm no longer that person. Small sidebar here, and then I'll get back to the regularly scheduled program. I am just dying from my allergies right now. So if you hear any weird breathing, or I sound like I'm dying, or things are hot and heavy in here, I promise you they are not. I am just currently dying from the fall allergy issues that we have here in Virginia. Anyway, I digress. Because of my sobriety and because of the program, because of the steps, I know that I'm no longer that person. I truly had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, but it hasn't been easy. It has absolutely not been easy. I've heard so many people talk about their spiritual awakening in the rooms. I've heard so many inspirational stories about when they quote unquote got it. And I never had a huge epiphany moment, truly. I came into the rooms because I thought if I was going to do this, it was going to be how I was going to save my marriage. If I could blame everything on alcohol, then I wouldn't have to suffer any consequences, which is just a sick way of thinking, but we are alcoholics. I was in major, major detox for my first two months, so there really was no clarity or aha moment. The fog took forever to lift. I did realize I was an alcoholic because of the stories that I was hearing in the rooms. I knew that I was no different than anyone else in there, but peace and serenity was so far from my grasp. For me, I had a few moments of spiritual awakening, and it wasn't when I started. It wasn't even when I started back into meetings after moving to Virginia. However, 
I did realize how mismanaged my life was once I got started going back to meetings in 2016. That putting the plug in the jug was not doing it, so I did the steps. Brandon died, and I certainly was scared, but still not ready to admit that I hadn't properly given myself to this simple program. To say I was stubborn or not understanding the assignment is a huge understatement. I have been perpetually seeking for spiritual awakening and connectedness for so long. I've been sober for 11 years, but because I didn't properly allow myself to submit to the program and the steps, my sanity had truly not been restored. It wasn't until recently that I saw truth in my actions, and I wish I had seen it sooner. But the truth is that God allows us to see only what we are willing to see. And he gives us all the hints, signs, and directions in the world. But if we are not spiritually in tune with our God or our higher power, this program simply is not going to work. I was putting the plug in the jug, I was talking about being sober, but I wasn't living the sober life. What does that mean? Well... I was doing the motions, but I wasn't having any faith. And faith without works is dead. I was dead inside. Sure, I believe in God. Sure, I'm sober. And yes, I'm making coffee and sharing. But what I was forgetting was a spiritual connection. In our big book, it says on page 85, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. Man, is that true. I had totally forgotten the spiritual part of the program so much and I had rested on my laurels that when life hit me hard, I forgot how to work my program. I forgot principles before personalities. I essentially forgot who I was. I allowed myself to put on a persona that I was truly involved, that I was doing my part, but I wasn't. It wasn't until I started to really look at my actions, look at my service, Look at what is required of me as a result of this program that I had my aha moment. Last podcast, we talked about that step where we're in constant contact with God, constant prayer and meditation, and I couldn't figure out why I haven't been happy. I couldn't figure out why if I had everything that I'd ever wanted and thought that was owed to me, why was I still unhappy? Well, because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I wasn't working the program with the correct motives. And let me tell you, that makes a huge difference. There is in the 12 by 12 a part that we say we temporarily cease to grow because we feel satisfied that there is no need for all the AA 12 steps. We are doing fine on a few of them. This is called two-stepping and it can go on for years. I think that's how I was living my life for a long time. How you go into your daily program determines a lot. If you are doing things for the wrong reasons, if you have nothing but the motive for self-gratification, you will never, ever get this program, and you will walk around grumpy, angry, and jilted. I was working everyone else's program but mine, and that is not a healthy place to be at all. I knew how to fix everyone but myself, and at 19 months sober, that is not okay. If we are resting on our spiritual laurels, if we are not actively working our program, steps 1 through 12 and carrying God's message and will for us, we truly are headed for trouble. Some of us are closer to relapse than we like to admit, and I can say that because I was starting down on that road. We relapse in our minds and in our actions long before we pick up a drink. It happens in our mind. 
We allow the thoughts to become intrusive. We forget what got us here and what keeps us here. I will be honest. The reason I don't drink is because I don't want to lose. I'm a perfectionist and I don't want to fail. That was all that was keeping me sober. And that's frustrating to admit. But if I don't admit it, I'm not being honest with myself and I'm not being honest with you. And then I'm doing you no service. I was beginning to become jealous of people who could drink. I became resentful. I became angry and chased after things to make me feel better. In the book, The Naked Mind, the author Annie Grace talks about what we have been addressing throughout the podcast. Throughout AA and the basis for all our drinking, fear. We offer justification to prove we are in control, but we aren't. The fact that we spend so much time defending ourselves shows we are indeed not in control at all. It goes all the way back to step one. If we fear that we will never fit in, if we fear that we will never be happy with alcohol, if we believe that without alcohol we are never going to be at peace, then we are truly missing out. If you believe these things, even after you stop, when you have improved your health and your relationships, you will still continue to envy drinkers. And let me tell you, friends, that hit me like a ton of bricks. That's exactly where I had been especially during the pandemic. How I stayed sober through that is a damn wonder. Well, no, it's not. I had put a Band-Aid on that was covering my fear and issues. And when we all got the chance to get back to life and that Band-Aid was ripped off, I was left fumbling. I have heard some people in AA say that their spiritual awakenings come in small bits. And I think that's true for me. I think that God sees who I am and my personality and is like, yeah, we just got to ease you into this. He truly does not give me more than I can handle. And I truly feel I can handle a fair amount, but I think he sees that I need to be given things in part before I implode or explode. I have had a chance to relive all these steps. I have had a chance to relive my entire story with you. This whole experience started out with me wanting to help others, but I can't give away what I don't have. And it's odd to admit that after 11 years that I am at the spot where I can say I am truly involved in the spiritual program part, that I have reached out to people and shook their hand and asked them how they are doing. I have asked people how things are going for them with wanting nothing in return So much so that I started to see different results. It's not that I wanted material things from people. It's not that I wanted a pat on the back or accolades. I wanted to feel better. And I wanted to feel like I was somebody and that I mattered. I wanted the life that was quote unquote taken from me all those years ago. I forgot that my genuineness was all that I needed to attain that. What is meant to be mine is already mine. God already has a plan for me. I just thought that I could beat God to the punch. That if I manifest things, that means I need to will them to happen, force things to happen. And that's not how that works. While manifestation is really important to me, and I do believe that the more we are in contact with God and the more we manifest what we want from our lives, I also believe that you cannot force things to happen. You cannot force relationships. You cannot force a career. You cannot force any of those things, but you can manifest things by your aura and by being a good person. And so that's what I want to address is that I manifest things all the time, 
Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But forcing things to happen is not going to allow you to be happy. This is not a program of me. If I am doing things for the wrong reasons, they are not going to work out. They are also not going to benefit anyone. And I am no longer carrying the message anymore. When we work the steps to the full, I mean, when we submit, when we ask God for the power to carry out his will and mean it, when we practice these principles in all our affairs, that's when we are carrying the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. So what does practice these principles in all of our affairs mean? It means we practice honesty, humility, compassion, tolerance, and patience with everyone, whether we like them or not. Putting principles before personalities teaches us to treat everyone equally. We've all met people we just don't get along with. Whether they speak out of turn or brash with their language, it can be difficult to ignore the agitation that these individuals spark with us. We may even be so distracted by the irritation they cause us that we don't get very much from the meeting. This is when our principles before personalities becomes an important aspect of our 12-step program. It is crucial to get past what others are doing to further their own recovery and well-being. There are plenty of people you may struggle with in AA meetings. There are often folks who ramble, who interrupt, who feel the need to brag, who lash out, who make snide remarks, or eat loudly in the middle of a meeting. How should you respond when your fellow meeting goers begin to bother you? When in active addiction, you may have chosen to react by behaving out of turn yourself. And let's be honest, there are tons of times in our sobriety where we can still do this if we're not putting the principles before personalities. By saying something clever, insulting them, or calling them out in front of everyone. However, in recovery, we are asked to place the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous before everything else. This means that we must choose honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, along with patience, humility, and understanding. Just because we do not like someone does not mean that we have carte blanche to mistreat them or derail our own progress. Perhaps the best way to put principles before personalities is to consider another famous recovery phrase. Are you ready for this? I am totally going to butcher this. It is from Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements. Don't take anything personally. Ryu's point is that even when a situation seems geared to push your buttons, it's rarely the case. Even when someone directly insults you, that has nothing to do with you. Instead, those actions say everything about them. Over time, as you practice detaching from others' opinions and choices, you'll come to understand that, one, you are never responsible for others' actions, and two, you are only responsible for yourself. This disconnection can be freeing. It gives us permission to focus on our own work, tend to our own gardens, or, as we say, stay in our own lanes, when you stop spending your time on what others think, do, and decide, you may be surprised by the rapid progress you're able to make. And I heard this in a meeting last week, and I really enjoy it, and I posted it up on my Instagram. What people think of me is none of my business. And that is something that I am grappling with right now, but I promise you I am getting there. And for someone who has seeked self-validation, for so long in their life and love and acceptance and just wanting to be there and be with friends and family and have those connections 
I have to realize that in a social media driven world, in a world where we are canceling people, in a world where we are ghosting people, in a world where we are taking our opinions to Twitter, which doesn't matter, as Dave Chappelle says, because it's not really a place. Social media isn't really a place. I am learning to disassociate myself with what other people's opinions of me are because they really don't matter. I am only responsible for myself and they are responsible for themselves and they have their own issues. If they are struggling with something or if they are struggling with forgiveness or something with that's going on in their life, they are not going to be able to see past that until they resolve that issue for themselves. Being aware of our emotions, our feelings, and our place and what is going on in our lives will help us better to react to others. You can also work on bringing greater awareness to each moment. First, identify what is bothering you and how it makes you feel. Next, assign a principle to practice and direct response. If someone continually interrupts during a meeting, for example, you may use that moment to focus on patience or inner calm. If a person feels the need to brag in every interaction, you might see a chance to work on your own humility and understanding. With a bit of extra mental effort, you can turn irritations into opportunities. One of the most important things is that when someone irritates our soul, there is something with us internally that needs to be fixed. Placing principles before personalities allows us a chance to look at those inside and determine what needs to be fixed. I chair a lot of meetings. I'm in charge of the treasury. And I did coffee for months. Right now, there's a new person who is doing coffee. We switch off month to month now. And they don't set it up at all how I would do it. And at first, I was frustrated. I wanted to overmanage and I wanted to show them the right way to do it. But I had to look at the way it was done. One, was the coffee hot and all lit was out? Yep. The creamer was available and the chair calendar was present for filling out? There was nothing wrong or missing from the table. It was just a matter of presentation. So the problem wasn't with how they set it up. It was with how I would do it. Therefore, that is a me problem. That is a problem I have internally with my control and my OCD. This opportunity wasn't a way for me to show them how to do it the right way. It was a chance for me to grow internally. This whole thing is a program of self-reflection all the time. There is nothing more irritating than self-reflection though, am I right? What a pain in the ass. But it's the only way we're going to grow. It's the only way we can help others because the newcomer is relying on us for experience, strength, and hope. If we don't have any of that, what are we doing? I want people to be hopeful when they hear my story. I don't need to come across as anything but honest. As we continue to grow, we become more secure, not only financially, emotionally, but with ourselves and with the ability to grow in other ways as well. We grow in the emotional security of the Brotherhood of AA. They have shown us the way after all. Armed with serenity, peace, and knowledge, we are now in the position to carry the message. Are we going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. We're going to make mistakes. But remember, we are growing along spiritual lines, progress, not perfection. We are now able to share our experience, strength, and hope with the newcomer. We are able to usher them into a new life and work with them in the steps. Not all of us are cut out for sponsoring. I have not sponsored yet to the point of succession. 
I only have spoken to newcomers and been a temporary sponsor, but right now I think that's okay. I think that God wasn't ready for me to sponsor yet, and I'm still not sure if he is. I have other ways of sharing my experience, strength, and hope. I have this podcast, I have my meetings, and I reach out to those who need help via social media. I'm continuing to grow in my comfort of public speaking and reaching my hand out and saying, Hi, how can I help you? My crippling anxiety and overthinking makes social media interactions so much easier than in person. I second guess myself and who I am and what people want. Luckily, I'm not like that as much anymore. I have become fully aware that I was operating as two separate people, and while I wasn't lying about my life, who I was, and my sobriety, I was not honest about my intentions. I was not being honest that I wanted to fill a void in my life. I didn't know that's what it was, but I see it now. We can do a whole episode on the pandemic, I feel, and what it gave us and opportunities and what we feel it took from us. But if we flip that perspective around, you know, what did we actually earn or gain? There's so much that went on in that time. And I remember at one point not listening to my Zoom AA meetings because I was so tired of discussing the subject being stuck inside when really I should have been listening. That being said, I can now take that experience and help others who are going through it. Hopefully we never have to go through another pandemic again. The hard part is knowing who is ready for the message of sobriety and who isn't. We have to lead gently. We don't want to alienate anyone or make them feel inadequate. I am personally speaking to someone who reached out to me via Twitter. She knows that she is killing herself slowly and... It's been really hard for me to just not tell her, listen, just do the things I'm telling you to do because it's going to save your life. Instead, I have to be gentle with her. I have to give her grace because the worst part of doing that, the worst part of telling her this is the only way to do it is that I could alienate her. I could stop her from wanting to get sober at all and that's not what I want. So I'm choosing to give her help, suggestions, lead when she needs me to lead, listen when she needs me to listen. And I'm hoping that as I continue to share the message, as I continue to share my experience, strength, and hope that she will see that she has the opportunity for a new life. I am really praying for her because she wants to be sober so badly, but she is so scared and my heart just absolutely breaks for her. I know what it's like to be scared, just so insanely scared that if you make that huge change, what is going to change? Your marriage, your friendships, I mean, not even the ability to drink alcohol, just in general, like being afraid of not knowing who you are. We don't want to alienate anyone or make them feel inadequate. There also may be a lot of heartache as you try to help someone and they don't get the program. They can and should, however, keep coming back. There is not a requirement for AA except to stop drinking. Some must stumble a lot before they are ready. That's not on you. This doesn't mean that you aren't cut out to spread the message. In fact, you are. Never stop sharing the message. For me, when I get the opportunity to help people in a recovery house for women, my place may be helping in large settings as opposed to one-on-one. We all have our own path that our higher power has laid out for us. And if we are painstaking about this process, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. So imagine how we are at the point of peak happiness. Happy, joyous, free. Thank you for joining me this week.
I really enjoyed being able to share my life with you, and there's just so much more that I have to share. I am so grateful for the amount of people who are listening to this and reaching out to me. I have been planning on having some more guests here shortly as I continue to grow in the social media community and meet other amazing people in sobriety. I want there to be a variety of people to share their stories with us because we're all different. The programs we work are different for us all too, but we all have one thing in common, addiction. Therefore, we are able to understand one another and help build each other up. I am grateful for the ability this program has given me to learn true honesty with myself. As hard as it is at times, my honesty is what keeps me going. I am never not learning. I am never not growing. And that's the beauty of this program. That's the beauty of a program of we. And thank you for being here on this journey with me. And I hope that you guys have a really amazing rest of your week. I know that I've got a long rest of my week planned. So I am sorry again that this one is late. Next week will definitely be better. But I did take some time this weekend for myself and I set up all my Christmas decorations. So judge me all you want. That's fine. Your opinion of me and my Christmas decor does not matter. And I'm just excited because when I come home and put on a fire and I have all my Christmas stuff out, it just makes me so insanely happy. I'm ready to get my tree too, but that doesn't open till day after Thanksgiving. So I'll have to be patient. I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. Know that I'm thinking about you and you can reach out to me anytime you need. Be blessed, everyone. Have a good week, fam. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A Sober Girls Podcast, where we talk about our experience, strength, and hope to give you a brighter future in recovery. Please do not forget to subscribe, follow, save, and download so you can hear next week's episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Sober Girls Pod and online where I put all show notes and information at a sober girls podcast.podbean.com. Also, soon you'll be able to subscribe to Patreon for additional features, so stay tuned. Until next time, fam, be well. Bye.